0: Homeopathy Podcast. This is Sarah and today I'm talking with Trudy Bellis who owns a clinic that I practice in in Melbourne, Australia. And Trudy is a beautiful chiropractor with a beautiful practice and has established a beautiful community of people that follow her. She's quite in demand and so I wanted to get her on to talk about how she works with complex children because she has a lot of experience and a lot of really interesting things to say.
1: Thanks Sarah. Uh, Yeah absolutely. So I am a chiropractor, I've been a chiropractor Oh goodness! For twenty-five years now, and um, I practice in Yarraville, which is in the west of Melbourne. And I have a special interest in pediatrics. I have also um, studied as a music therapist as well. Uh, I did that before I started I, before I became a chiropractor. I sort of knew I wanted to do both of these professions because I'm super interested in how. Um, or how the how the brain works and also working with neurodiverse kids I've always had a passion I uh, volunteered at an autistic camp uh, when I was 18 up in Mansfield run by by uh, Joan and um, have just always been fascinated with um, you know, how the brain works and how extraordinary uh, neurodiverse kids are so I I um, I'm an SOT chiropractor. There's lots of different ways to work with the body, and so very gently with the body. Um, a lot of perceptions of chiropractors are that it's very manipulative. Um, it definitely has its has its place that when you're working with kids, um, you've got to be very, very, very specific to that child's needs. So um, it really is lovely to be able to work hands on and um, to just very, very, very gently encourage these little bodies to become their optimal selves. And that's where I bring also my studies of functional neurology into things too. So I was very fortunate to complete that in 2012. Um, and so I've studied through the Carrick Institute in America and um, it was 300 hours of, of neurology studies and um, have just been collecting uh, all in- integrating that into my practice too um, and at the moment I'm doing some work with uh, Dr Robert Melillo to do a fellowship in neurodevelopmental paediatrics which I think is where I'm going to spend the next you know a few years, well many years I think of, of my career if we can change the lives of these kids but also their families because it's the whole family that um, we need to work with when we're actually working with these cases. You'd agree that, wouldn't you, Sarah?
0: Totally. Yeah. Totally. Everything that you're saying is so aligned with yeah with how um, we work as homeopaths as well. So I know I can just feel your passion, and I think I could feel that when I first met you as well. Uh, you, you're quite a beacon of um, that attracts so many families because you're so beautiful, but so knowledgeable and so so passionate, you know. People really notice that, don't they? They're drawn to that.
1: I think, um, you know, when, when we are working in this in this realm, um, you know, it's giving the family uh, and the child and the you know the monks is often mum who, who'll come in. We do get a, a lot of dads, too. However, it's often mum coming in. Um, as a last resort, depending on where that child is actually sitting, or that child's diagnosis, or you know, where it may even be on the way to a diagnosis, um, you know, it's, it's it's often very very stressful. So I think being able to spend some time initially developing some reciprocity with the child. So I will often tap into my music therapy skills and um, do a lot of singing and a lot of vocalization and a lot of whole body work. Um, to actually get the child's attention and you know, reel them into my little world but also you know being very very mindful that you know a lot of these children can be hypersensitive um, if there is a sen- sensory processing um, issue as well, which is you know probably in most most of the cases, so we're just sort of trying to develop um, almost making friends, yeah, which is that reciprocity. So, but also making the child feel uncomfortable because we don't want to shift that child into that sympathetic fight flight response, and that's where a lot of these families are living because you know it's it's intense, it's difficult it's you know it is it's it is often that that sort of last resort visit so we try and make things safe we have a uh, practices set up with a garden out the back and I'm often chasing kids Around the practice, I'm out in the garden. I'm, you know, in reception, in the room. The kids will often visit the chiro next door, or the massage therapist out the back, or the, you know, I think you had a visit as well. So, it's 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 free, but it's it's also, um, you know, getting these children to learn that there are some boundaries, and you know, this is a safe place to to be. Um, when we have that. Um, that beautiful uh, connection, then some magic can actually happen because I can get my hands on them and assess their little spines and in particular... Um, you know assess for um, any neurological findings in particular you know anything with the gush or with um, our neurological assessments as well children i mean really the the zero to threes that's spontaneous motility you know we're looking between zero to 10 seconds so we're always assessing um, you know where how long a child can can sit and attend um, and um, you know most kids have got little wriggly worms as well so it's just you know they're they're in and out and around about but um if a child is um you know is is comfortable then you can get their their attention and you know we're looking for eye contact we're looking for um a vocalization we're looking for um just attention
0: yeah do you do you find that once you've kind of worked with their bodies that in the session you might actually get that
1: Absolutely. So I'm, so I'm going to share a beautiful place that a um, little boy who's just recent uh, to our practice, I've been seeing him for three weeks now. So um, he, over the last three weeks that I've been working with him, he was very restricted um, through his cranial system. So um, we should explain um, part of SRT as well, shouldn't I, yeah? <laughs> so SRT is a, a beautiful holistic um, approach to chiro. It gives us ways to assess the body uh, and est- structurally, but also working with the, the autonomic nervous system through um, chiropractic manipulative research. Our reflex techniques so working with beautiful organs of the body and also working cranially as well so Dr. Uh, Dejanet was a, an osteopath and a chiro so it's bringing the best of both worlds together so I incorporate everything into my practice um, with SAT but in particular working a lot with, these, with um, our, our neurodiverse kids um, often their dural system so their cranial system um, is totally locked down. And this can be from a difficult birth. It could be from, um, well, usually it is birth trauma. It could be, um, I've got another case at the moment where um, a little bubba who was born at 25 weeks, so she was flat on her back, intubated for uh, three months. So developmentally, you know, her little nervous system was... Um, well, she was in ICU, so her um, her cranial system is very um, malformed. It's it's misshapen, so that's actually affecting the um, the, connect, the beautiful tissue that surrounds the brain and the spinal cord, that is you know that we, connects to the base of the skull and the upper neck and down at the tailbone. So, um, we'll see a, a lot of patterns in um, in children. Um, that in, in particular if a child does have plagiocephaly, which is the, 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 the miss, miss, misshapen head, we can often see that um, in a lot of ways that like this child may not be able to turn their head, so they turn their whole body. Um, and this is the case of these two cases. Both children were using their whole body to turn, so they were missing out on a lot of the periphery of of the world, so one child could only turn left, the other child um, could not turn um, right. So we're missing out on all those, um, you know, all that beautiful visual connection, which affects a lot of things in the body, in particular, gait, balance. Anyway, by gen- gently working um, with the the uh, children and gently releasing. Um, the uh, cranial bones and that dural system changes are happening. So, more eye contact, um, so consuming a little better. So, those beautiful nerves that go into um, the the colon, so more um, more poo, you know, <laughs> clearing the gut, which is a huge um, concern with 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 these kids too. And eating very limited foods and often fecally impacted too. So, just getting that nervous system um functioning as well as it possibly can yeah what what
0: kind of other triggers do you notice like i mean you might see a child who's had um well they might have had an injury they might already be a, a client they they might have an injury they might have a vaccination they might yeah. have an illness that required pharmaceuticals or yeah anything like that.
1: So accidents are, are really common in the zero to twos. Um, you know, it's when the bubba's is learning to to toddle around and pull themselves up and falling on that sacrum too. So we'll often see um, a lot of changes, um, especially I suppose in three-, four-year-olds as they're beginning to toilet Um, You know, a child will begin to wet the bed again if they've had a big accident um, or fallen, you know, onto the the tailbone or fallen, hit the back of the head as well. So we'll see a lot of that. We'll often see, um, you know, um, changes in bowel function, changes in mood, you know, after a fall. Kids will get really, really grumpy, um, a little bit more unsettled at night as well, difficult to get to sleep, waking up. Um, once again, that, that um, nocturnal enuresis too. So we'll see changes that we've been working with over the years, um, you know, in behaviour. Often too, Sarah, we'll see changes in primitive reflexes. So we do a lot of work with um, children and adults with retained primitive reflexes. So these are the reflexes that we're born with, our survival reflexes. And when the child meets the milestones in that first 12 months of life um, and the cortex, which is the outer layer of the brain, dampens all them down, then the postural muscles and the postural reflexes begin to sort of develop and um, the child begins to walk. So a lot of these reflexes can be retained and we see this a lot in the neurodiverse, uh, neurodevelopmental children that come to visit us um, in the practice and also adults as well, which has been, I think, has really driven me to my current studies um, because with the pandemic over the last two years with anxiety, that a lot of our patients have been experiencing. Um, And I I wasn't seeing a lot of kids in this time because they weren't allowed to see children, which was very, very sad. Um, So we're actually seeing adults with a lot of these reflexes, um, in particular um, one working with the vagal function of the the, uh, body.
0: Coming back to the singing then, um, talking about the vagus. Yeah, because I know that you prescribe some humming and things don't you?
1: Yeah absolutely so vagal activation we get people gargling we get people singing humming we get them we'll often do um, other auricular stimulation too and we it's just getting people to elevate the palate um, which in turn will help elev- um, activate vagus we get cold water immersion it's one awesome thing about COVID is so many people have taken to ocean swimming. So. And it's freezing in Melbourne. Um, So, just being able to jump in the bay um, and just get that clarity and get that vagus moving. So, the vagus, of course, is a beautiful sensory nerve. And um, we get feedback from the gut. We get feedback from um, our our heart heart rate. It's also carbon dioxide levels too. So it does a lot of things. Talks to all the organs in the body and just tells the brain, "Hey, this is going on here. This is what's happening down here." Um, so the vagus can get compressed at in well through its long path. We see it a lot at the base of the skull through jugular foramen, which is a little part of the brain that uh, sorry part part of the skull with three cranial. Nerve begin speaking to exit so um, in particular palate nerve as well so we try and get hence the the uh, singing and, and the, the elevation of the palate and also the nerve that deals with the muscles at the front of the neck and our upper trapezius at the back so our sternocleidomastodius scm and trapezius so if that's really tight which in the case of those two little people that i was talking about before not being able to turn we'll often see restriction through there so we'll see changes in tone Yes, right. Oh
0: wow, yes. So so do you get little kids to sing too?
1: Yeah, absolutely. All the time. Once again, it just um that beautiful eye contact and um it's it turns on, you know, that beautiful, relaxing, that parasympathetic flow, which is what we want rather than that sympathetic fight flight dominance.
0: Yes. You you might be interested, we do have a number of remedies in homeopathy made from musical notes, which I actually don't know that much about, I can't speak about, but, um, but this conversation is prompting me actually to look into that because even as you're talking about it, I'm feeling that connection when we sing, you know, that feeling into that the lightness of it or how it shifts you into a different kind of mode if you
1: sing. Uh, Absolutely. And I actually have a list of um, of pieces um, that are in different keys that affect different parts of the brain and um, we can bring colour into it as well, so musical notes and colour. So it's, it's just so beautiful. This is all just beautiful research that's um, just, just, just been coming out and, um, you know, a, lo- a lot of these children, especially, you know, um, some of the, the, the neurodiverse kids actually have perfect pitch. So they're extraordinary, like extraordinary brains that we just need to champion as practitioners. Right. That's right. And embrace. And, and embrace. Uniqueness of their neurology, and I think you know, going back to getting the um, you know talking to families about it too, it is a unique neurology, and I think once people begin to understand that uniqueness, then the stress begins to lower down, and parents are stressed and we can begin to make some gentle changes.
0: Right. I mean, even I mean, when you say that, even in our school systems and things like that, because really there are more and more and more neurodiverse children. Um, you know, coming into our world, yeah. If if we could learn to embrace it on every level, then you know, in schools, that would probably be so much easier and so much more beautiful, and it wouldn't be such a challenge for these families.
1: Oh, I know, I know. I um, like the schoolroom is so different to what it was when we were growing up. It's so busy, and there's computers, and there's so many kids, and it's so loud, and you know, so challenging for these children. And for the teachers to deal with the, you know, the 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 whole spectrum that they're you know working with,
0: right? And working in the old model, and uh, just going on to the screens thing because we were talking a, a little bit about that before, and we were having a conversation as well the other day about posture and and kids on screens so much, and especially coming out of lockdowns and COVID, I've seen it so much, you know, bodies changing and lots of tantrums around screen time and getting off screens and when can I have my screen time and, you know, kids completely. In fact, that would be probably a lot of parents would say, if I say if there's one thing that you would like to change, they would probably say, oh, that that they would just get off the screen more easily. Um, so it's a big problem, obviously. But to, to, if you could just talk a little bit about the what you see in the bodies. Um
1: Oh, absolutely. So, um, I think even with adults, so we could talk whole families here because you know, mum and dad have been working at home, um, most likely on the screen. Kids, you know, just just the whole juggle. The screen's just great because it just shuts them up. So we've got to get our work done. Um, however, what we're seeing is just that slump posture. So, you know, our extensor muscles. Um, have just switched off, and they're actually driven by the vestibular spinal system. So, those it's, it's part of the vestibular system in the brain that deals with the tone of the intrinsic muscles of the spine. So, we're seeing that turned off. The kids are, are, are all slumped forward, um, forward head posture, locking down that diaphragm, so decreased oxygen. So, what does that do to developing brains? Right. Yeah, turns it off. So, there's so like mum comes in, turns it off, and I was like, ah! Yes. <laughs> Yeah and you and and the fight's on and everyone's tired so you give in so, every, if just need to, um, and I've been working a lot on um, on it with kids, just working with um, getting families to do some gentle extension exercises. So, Superman is great on the bed, on the floor, anywhere. And just trying to get ev- everyone motivated to begin to sort of move their bodies again. And you know, we we've had so many rules these last two years; we've forgotten just the importance of getting out and moving. And you know, there is that instant reward with these games that the kids are playing, it's instant reward. Yeah, and so you take that away. It's like taking sugar away. Same, same pathways, same thing. So, you know, it's just a battle and it's visual, it's ramping up that midbrain, um, which is closely connected with our, you know, emotional centres. So, of course, you're going to get a response. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's a battle it's such a battle so you know just getting kids breathing getting kids out getting adults out you know and working together as a family to actually do that because it's not getting the kids it's actually everyone needing to move.
0: So true oh gosh actually in in the first lockdown that we had in Australia in or maybe it was the second the longer one which was in 2020 my diaphragm completely locked down, actually. We could not get a deep breath in.
1: No. And that's because, too, Sarah, the, the phrenic nerve, which is, is the, the, the nerve that supplies the diaphragm, is in the neck. So you think about it being on Zoom calls because you're zooming um, and that forward head as well because you can't help it. You can't help it with Zooms. Everyone's got chicken necks. So, you know, that, that locks that nerve down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which affects the diaphragm. Right.
0: Yeah, and we're all running on that.
1: Right. Right. Correct.
0: Running from that space. Gosh. And so, tell me more about what you, what else you notice in children. Like, I mean, in terms of changes and body changes, um, like physical body change. But what also you notice in the nervous system, from infections or pharmaceuticals or you know, any, like
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, we, you know, we're we're in summer at the moment, so fortunately, um, kids are pretty well at the moment. However, there is a thing called a common cold now, not just COVID. <laughs> so the kids are back um, in childcare. So there's a lot of a lot of green noses, um, a lot of a lot of running noses, which, which is great. We actually want that. But the child who is snuffly, um, or if a child has eustachian tubes that don't drain. Down into the back of the mouth, we'll often see um, you no know, pressure through the ears. The kids will be waking up, kids teething too, so little little, little, little babies. But um, so we'll see, um, you know, perhaps an an increase. Uh, usually, it's mum coming in. He can't hear me. That sort of stuff, or a child complaining of the ear, and often that'll be. Uh, Cranially to that sort of temporal bone, which is where the the ear canal is, will often be a little bit more internal rather than sort of sitting out as it should to help it brain. Um, post um, post antibiotics, um, you know, it just locks the whole system down, so the whole dural system will often be locked down as well, just with the effect of the the gut um and once again we'll also see that upper part of the neck really locked down because that's where the you know, nerve supply to the mucous membranes of the nose and mouth um go to too so the children um you know might be a little bit more uh you know they, they're just grumpy crying a lot because it, it's it's really uncomfortable in the upper part of the neck plus the 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 craniums too Remember, you know the um, the tailbone is is um, with uh, with SAT and and with with um, chiro and osteo. Um, the body's bones are paired, so if the cranial system's locked up, we're going to see changes in the lower part of the body too. So the tailbone and the base of the skull work with each other. The upper neck and the lower lumbar work with each other. So there'll be a global. Change in the effect of the uh, child. Yes,
0: right. And do you think you could explain a bit more the dural system, like like a little one oh one?
1: Yeah. So the dura is the outer layer, um, so layer of the, the tissue that covers the brain. And the spinal cord, um, it's also into the nerve sheaths as well. So the nerves that exit between each of the vertebral bodies of the spine. So the dura is attached into all of the cranial bones. So um, with a baby, we were told to be careful of the the fontanelle at the front and the fontanelle at the back. Um, but we could feel that that tissue. I mean, it's it's, it's strong, and you could often see it pulsating. You know, when you're breastfeeding your baby, you could see see the the, the 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 pulse sometimes. The dural system too, if it's really connected um, and quite firmly attached to the foramen magnum which is the base of the skull and the upper two cervical uh, vertebrae um, it's loosely attached throughout the body everyone's different um, okay. and firmly attached down at that second sacral segment of the tailbone yeah our, our sacrum so in kids the sacrum is separate bones that it fuses um, when when we're young adults so you can imagine it's just it's this beautiful rocking sensation with the occiput and, and sacrum. So, when we inhale, cerebrospinal fluid travels up the spine and around the brain. When we exhale, it goes down. So, if there's restrictions through that system, CSF doesn't flow. Yeah. And we see a lot with our neurodiverse children, uh, parents probably would notice this, that they're, they're, everything's really tight, like. Everything is tight on their heads, or there'll be a bulging forehead, or you know, a misshapen head, and you know, just um, and the child will be you know really tight. That's one child. Then we get our our, our low tone kids, but the slump posture, but also just that cranial system really locked down, and you can see it. Yeah. So, and that's just that lockdown of the of that beautiful flow, and we need good cerebrospinal flow so our neurons can get all their nutrients and get rid of all their waste products as well
0: right yes so and do you like in in order to release that in someone is it like a one like is it a once a week thing or is it just an individualized thing as to what you
1: it's really individualised, but um, if if it's really restricted and if it really depends how how old the the air child is, it's been like that for a, a long time. Sometimes we'll get a great result, but if this and we'll see a, a certain period of time when when the the air pattern returns. Um, so we like to sort of, sort of try and see the kids, um, you know, weekly if we can for a little bit, and then sort of begin to stretch visits out, and we'll find a a, a beautiful rhythm of um, of when because because mums will come again. Oh, it's happened again, <laughs> or they'll see changes. Changes in the child's face. So we'll get a balanced orbit on both sides, and over time, as that cranial pattern returns, because the body has learnt um, its default pattern, I suppose we could call it. um, Then the mum will say, Oh, look, that eye's gone smaller again, or she's not chewing properly, or you know, the child's just um, really you know just behaviourally challenging. Um, then we can see the the, the uh, child again. So it is, uh, look, I take an individualised approach to care and I work with the parents to, you know, what they want to do really.
0: And I'm also really interested to know um, how you work in, in terms of using your intuition as well because obviously you have a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience with hands-on but I also see you as quite an intuitive kind of person who knows your way around a body really um, well.
1: You know, working intuitively is once again just developing that connection with with the patient. And you know, sometimes you know we'll feel you know, changes when we're working with the autonomic nervous system. We'll feel heat. We'll feel um, the child sweat, um, which is a real positive thing. You know, we're just feeling changes. And I think intuitively, um, you know, these. These kids are little bubbers too. Are, you know, close with angels. <laughs> they really are, and um, you know, we've sort of forgotten how to talk to angels as 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 older, more scientifically trained. You know, and I think um, you know when you are working with children and you know working in this realm too, um, there are things we just can't explain that actually happen, and it's a beautiful thing, and that you know kids just allow that to happen.
0: Yeah. That's so true, isn't
1: it? Just, to, you know, working with, with your remedies, I mean, I use a lot of essences and, um, you know, I've been super interested in that over the years and, you know, they'll, they'll often they'll, they'll just you know, they come or the kids will go and choose what they need really. They're, they're quite amazing. They
0: really are, aren't they? You can really yeah. kind of, you know, we can learn so much from them actually and um, how they they just work from that they just so much more connected to that right-brained kind of way of operating and intuiting and, and not judging it, I think. And so um what about things like ticks and those kind of repetitive, awkward behaviours, even restlessness and that kind of thing, like what what you notice or what you observe about?
1: Yeah, so... Look, a lot of neurodevelopmental diagnoses um, put kids in a box and I think we need to um, look at it differently, looking at more at a what's a, more of a functional disconnect, which is a term um, that is now being used um, neurologically with some of these children because if... We are looking at the brain um, through a balance system, so looking at balancing both hemispheres of the brain. Often with neurodiverse children, one side of the brain is a bit bigger and busier compared to the other, like it has developed faster and quicker compared to the other one, and the other one just hasn't caught up. What will happen with these repetitive um, you know, movements and repetitive things is that the the say for example we use ASD that's a, a left brain escape so the right brain is not balanced and calming it down it isn't developed enough to put the brakes on and stop these motor these repetitive uh, disorders so it could be behaviour it could be um, you know OCD it could be uh, a tick yeah so that right brain that whole right side of the brain isn't is not developed enough to actually stop it. Turn it off. Well, what we can do is actually give some stimulation and some exercises that actually are right brain things, rather than focusing on left brain. So, yeah, it's it's super fascinating. So the the trick is to well, what what we try and do is is uh, work out what part of the brain what's what's there. So with with our neuro um, diagnoses and um, you know looking at um, at the nervous system, okay, is this a right brain um, escape or is it a left brain escape? No, right brain escape. Is the left brain a bit slow, as in dyslexia? You know, is Where are we with this? And then rather than saying, oh, it's a speech thing, let's do speech, it's like, well, let's look globally at what's happening and trying to stimulate that lower functioning hemisphere. Okay, what kinds
0: of things can you do to stimulate the hemispheres?
1: Well, a lot of it, I mean, you you, um, probably would have seen me um, doing a lot of deep pressure um, with the kids. So we start very, very gently, just especially if there's a sensory processing, just trying to get our hands on the kids um, and just trying to stimulate the side of the body. So our left side of the body, we're trying to uh, just activate that, that, that right side as well. If there's a, a a vestibular component, then we might use spinning. If there is an issue with oral motor components, or if the child's having difficulty chewing and swallowing, then we'll start doing some fun exercises with straws. We'll, you know, so rather than getting the child to you know to repeat words and sounds and things, which we will do later, but it's getting just that um, just getting the muscles moving again and um, you know trying to actually stimulate that side of the brain.
0: So the the families will go home and try to implement those?
1: Yeah, yes, yes. yes. And I think the the skill is because it does involve families, you know, doing a few things. And because we're trying to change neural patterns, it's got to be repeated. Um, And this is where I fell down as a mum because it's very difficult to fit it in. Um, However, I think I was just trying to do too much, yeah. So it's just baby steps, a few little things, um, and if we're integrating primitive reflexes, there's a lot of fun exercises that we can do each for, for, for each um, reflex. Um, and we try and make it fun. I'll call it Pilates if Mum does Pilates, because then it's fun, and um, or we can call it whatever the kid, the the child you know wants us to do. So, but it's got to be fun and not too much. And so we try and try and get families involved. Um, a lot of it too is connecting mums with their child that they actually haven't connected with, because especially with um, you know children who may be non-verbal and just vocalising. Um, it's really stressful and so just some really gentle, calming, deep pressure, massage, desensitising um, the fascia of the skull and the skin, really gently singing to the, to the child, rocking the child, really sick movements. Beautiful. And, yes, and that connection, you know. Oh, just connection because, you know, it, 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 it's so hard and it's so um It just takes time away, especially if there's other children as well. You just feel you're not giving enough, you know, time to each child Um, and I know a lot of mums and dads find that too. So it's working out where the family's at and what could possibly be done at home. Try and get families to get a little hammock or a swing because kids love that, which is great for kids that like to headbang and rock and rock in the swing. Um, you know rather than rocking and hitting heads against the wall, so you know just trying to um trying to help gently rather than here's twenty exercises to do so it's it's just not not going to get done and we just try try and build with each time and you know it's same thing with um with nutrition too because a lot of these kids are um are wide obsessed and you know not eating. A lot of good good uh, nutrients, so and it's very very difficult.
0: Yes, and you, if you put too much on the plate of an already overwhelmed parent or parents, yes. it just it doesn't get it can't be done. And then it oh, then it becomes about management as well. Okay, we've got to tick this off. We've got to do the exercise now. We've got and that's kind of a totally different sentiment, isn't it? Then
1: yeah, and that switches everyone's a away from that beautiful parasympathetic rest digest flow to oh my god it's sympathetic it's that fight flight and it's something else that parents have to do so if we see it as more of a connection time that's right that's so beautiful and so if you were to um meet
0: a or if you were to say something to the parents out there that were kind of working through all of this stuff with their kids what would you say? Like, what would be the first kind of thing that you would say in terms of the journey um, of healing and being with a child with with complex needs?
1: Yeah, just give yourself time to connect with your child. Mm. I think sometimes too, there's so much information about where to go and what to do, and so many activities, and we've got to do this, got to do that, got to OT, got to do speech, got to do, you know, neurosensory, got to do brain, brain, brain balance, all that sort of stuff. It's um just connecting with your child and spending time at home and don't overschedule appointments one a day, not going from, you know, OT to speech to Cairo or osteo or, or, you know, body worker whatever. It's just one, one outing and the rest of the time being at home, being outdoors, being in nature, being at the park and just connecting. So just not too much and choose... Just choose a couple of things and and then run it for a bit and then you know just investigate just different 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 ways and I think um, you know homeopathy I use it a lot you know, as, as you know I love homeopathy and it is so easy to use with children it's so profound you know changes and. You know, the way that, um, that we can work structurally with the kids too, just to enhance, um, you know, and develop beautiful nervous patterns and, you know, just release that, that our nervous system is, uh, yeah, it's extraordinary.
0: Yeah, it is. And I actually did some work um, on a man in hospital uh, giving him remedies. He was pretty much in a coma um, and working with an osteo so a a biodynamic osteo, and she had her hands on him and I would give him a remedy. Actually, I would rub it on his pulse points and she would feel how his body would shift and whether the remedy was a good one or not Um, and how he would soften or how, you know, and it was quite incredible to see. And actually, we you know, he had all the monitoring equipment on and we would see his heart rate drop.
1: Yeah.
0: And those kind of things. And, you know, I would love to kind of work more like that too if it was possible you know like in that really
1: it's so amazing and working with kids too we'll see like if often when um you know if we do do a little gentle release through the neck just with our fingers and you know just doing some gentle um occipital release through the skull um the child will take a breath you know the child will go (gasps) And we'll see, just everything relax. It's extraordinary. It really is extraordinary. Babies will poo, so which is what they do, or a, a great fart or some, something like that. It'll be great. So, you know, just releasing the tension, right? Through. Our kids
0: will sleep. Yes, will we'll sleep. they
1: will sleep. I'll sleep. So they'll, you
0: just see, especially those restless kids, you yes. know, like when they yes. can drop into parasympathetic. Oh my gosh, just
1: they stop. just stop. Yeah, and it's like being hit. By, well, but it is. It's just like they just stop, and you see the pupils change, and you know you'll feel you'll, you'll feel pulses, and it's like, okay, that's great. Or you'll hear tummies move. Yeah,
0: yes, right. And we know that they're you know coming into a state of health. And I think that you know with Cairo and probably osteo and and with homeopathy, it's like this you know you you you're working to kind of change patterns that might have set themselves in a little bit as a we, you know with the remedies and we're noticing what's sh- shifted and what else is in what way has the body moved or in in the in terms of homeopathy in what ways the vital force moved and what does it need now um, but all of this is part of the journey it's not like take a remedy it's over have one adjustment and you're done you know like It is. It's an ongoing journey and we're out there experiencing life and we're exposed to toxins and we're exposed to stress and we're exposed to emotional states and we're exposed to injuries and all sorts of things. And the more that we can kind of use these therapies to bring us back into alignment, the better.
1: Totally, And it's all about optimal health. And that's what we want, optimal health, because it helps our communities flourish, doesn't it, really? You know, it's all about building healthier communities as well.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, and having these yeah beautiful connected families that aren't all looking at their screens. We're all a little bit guilty of that sometimes, but um
1: and just enjoying and just thriving. You know, just 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 thriving. And I think um, you know, two years of being you know, having communities locked down, it's it's time for us to take a step, you know, forward and really begin to rebuild our health and our emotional mental well being. As well as you know, our physical and you know self too. So you know, looking at good nutrition, looking at you know our physical bodies, and definitely our uh, emotional health.
0: Right, absolutely. In in a way, I guess that's the opportunity of what we've kind of we, we can learn coming out of the last two years, isn't it? What can we change, or what can we do
1: better? And it isn't. It, it isn't like a one one remedy or a one adjustment. I mean, you've, you've got to work at health. I believe I. I I mean, health to me is the most important thing, and um, and my family's health, and my community's health. So we we work at it, and you know, of course, it's always up to the individual what they want to do. But um, you know, it it's 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 a little bit of work. Yeah, it is.
0: It is. It's, I guess, it, and it it can be at the point of also being a little bit of upkeep, really, isn't it? It's like you can you can make an effort, and then you can maintain, and and you know, like I know for myself on my journey, like it's. You know, there's probably a lot of effort made in my late mid to late 20s and early 30s, and then now I, I you know, I, I take remedies still, and but I the the healing isn't is isn't as intense. I mean, who knows what might come along, and I'll have to deal with that when it happens, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, we looking after ourselves. It's a different kind of narrative that's out there, but it's so important um, to maintain. Um, Thanks so much, Trudy. That was really beautiful and and informative. And, well, you're very passionate and that is palpable to everybody that walks through the front door of the clinic, that's for sure. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time today. That was
1: really great. Thanks, Sarah.